Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Archbishop Foley Beach brings us a message entitled, The Laborers Are Few. But before we get started, here's today's special feature, which comes from Life Lessons from Luke. Jesus then paints a picture from human nature, saying that you dads know how to give good gifts to your kids when they ask you, don't you? Dad, I'd like egg for, eggs for breakfast. You don't give them roaches. Dad, I'd like a new puppy to play with. You don't give them a rattlesnake. That would be absurd, right? Well, if you, in all your sinfulness, know how to give your kids good things, how much more do you think your Heavenly Father, who is all goodness, and I mean all goodness, how much more do you think your Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God desires to give to us before we even ask. But ask we must. Sometimes we must keep on asking. Sometimes we must be persistent and bold like the man knocking at the door at bedtime. One interesting side note here. Lord, teach us to prayer, pray. And then he ends with saying, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You have to ask for the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes. One of the best prayers to pray, and I pray this prayer every day. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me anew and afresh with your Holy Spirit. Every day, every morning, after I kneel in prayer and I come before the Lord and I ask Him what sins I need to confess and any sins that come to my mind that I that that come to my mind that I know that I've done that are wrong, I confess them to the Lord. And then the, the prayer I pray after my confession is, Lord, fill me anew and afresh with your Holy Spirit. So we have a life lesson on prayer. The example of Jesus, His exhortation, His explanation about asking, be persistent, His explicit instructions, to ask a life lesson from Luke on prayer here now is a word from the Lord with Archbishop Foley Beach I invite everybody to open to Luke chapter 10 this is the story of Jesus sending out 72 men to share the good news of the gospel Jesus was planning a preaching tour And these men were to go ahead of him and prepare the way. I assume they were to go and pray over the town, minister there, teach about Jesus, and make preparations for when Jesus was to visit later. So he sends them out and he tells them several things. First he says, you're being sent among the wolves. This isn't going to be easy. Look at verse 3. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs. In the midst of wolves. Hit that picture. Mm. Secondly, take no provisions and stay on assignment. The people on the road are not your assignment. Look at verse 4. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Stay on task. Next, he says, speak peace to where you're staying. Verse 5, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. 
And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him, but if not, it will return to you. Shalom, peace. People in Israel still greet each other with that same greeting, peace. Arab countries still do the same, shalom. He says, your peace will go forth. It's actually as if it's something that's tangible, it's real. It will go forth and rest on a son of peace. But if there's not a son of peace, it will return. Then he says, stay in the same house. Receive what the Lord provides there. Now, don't be a smoocher throughout the village, I think is what he's saying. Look at verse 7. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For labor deserves his wages. And then he says, if a town receives you, eat what they provide and heal the sick. Proclaim the gospel, verses 8 and 9. Whenever you enter a town, if they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. What an assignment. A few verses later, we're told about their successful mission trip. But I want to call your attention tonight back to verse 2. He said to them before he sends them out, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, I imagine every clergy person here understands exactly what he's saying. Especially if you're trying to plant a church, trying to start a church, or you're in a smaller church. Where are the people to help? And then some of the larger churches, it's the same thing. Where are the people? The laborers are few. Well, we live in an age when the words of Jesus couldn't be more appropriate. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. When I observe what is happening around me on a weekly basis, I see a plentiful harvest. I see people who are lonely. I see people who are in pain. I see people who live in fear. I see people who are doing whatever they can for love, acceptance, for meaning, for direction. They think that they will get what they're looking for through their bodies, through the way they look or the way they think or what they can do or what they can achieve or through who they hang out with or or what they have. And as you and I know, all that lasts but a moment and then it's gone. A while back, I was driving down Highway 78, which is the, the main thoroughfare right here, on my way to Loganville. And all of a sudden, a red SUV is rolling and tumbling down the road in front of me. A tractor trailer beside her either clipped the front end of her car or either she swerved into it. And in a matter of seconds, she's literally rolling down the road. When her car finally came to a stop, her hood was off, her battery was on the road, all the windows were knocked out. Her laptop, computer, shoes, and other personal items were scattered all over the road. Fortunately, she was alive, but she was pinned in the car. Emergency personnel arrived, removed her from the car, and took her to the hospital. Now, I didn't know Ashley, but I prayed for her. I asked God to be present with her. I asked God to bring healing to her body and her terrified spirit. Here was a young college student 
who probably had everything in the world going for her. And in a matter of seconds, her world is turned upside down. In a matter of moments, her life was almost ended. Did she know Jesus? Did she know the Lord? I don't know. But it quickly reminded me of how fragile life is and how quickly life can change. And what a blessing most of us have just being able to wake up in the morning and get out of bed each day. People all around us are in need. The harvest is indeed plentiful. The laborers are few. I'd like us to examine this passage because I believe it reveals to us God's plan for actually reaching those in need. If you examine the previous two chapters, Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God. Jesus heals a man with a demon. Jesus calms a storm. He heals a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Remember that? He feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He delivers a boy from demon possession. And he teaches about following him in the kingdom of God. Jesus first models for his disciples the ministry of the gospel. He goes into all that part of Galilee and he's been teaching, preaching, healing, demonstrating compassion. He modeled his ministry before them. They could see how it could be done. They could watch the Spirit move in people's lives. They could hear how he taught and how he preached. And then he sends them out to do what he was doing. But first he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He teaches them about what they're observing. The harvest is plentiful. They could see it, and we can see it. There are many people in need of the gospel. As it was in his day, so it is in our day. The laborers are few. There is a need for more people to go out and do what he did. To teach, to preach, to heal, to demonstrate compassion. But then he says, Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Now the word here for pray is literally the word beg, to plead. Beg the Lord of the harvest. Plead with the Lord of the harvest. I wonder how many of us have done that. We see the need, we need the help, but have we really begged and plead? And I don't know why he asks us to do that, but he does. Ask the Lord to send forth laborers. Now, it's also interesting, this word for send. It's not just send. It's a word for thrust out. The picture in the Greek is thrusting. Ask the Lord of the harvest to thrust out laborers into the harvest. There's a need for somebody to work the crops. There's a need for workers. By the way, notice he says it's his harvest. It's God's harvest, not ours. Now, for you theologians, a question, why does God need us to beg him to send out laborers into his harvest? I mean, if, if it's his off harvest, what, why do we need to ask him to send forth laborers into his ho- harvest? I don't know. <laughs> 
My guess is because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And Jesus knows that God responds to the prayers of his people. If we would only ask, he would touch people in powerful ways. Jesus models and he teaches. And then he delegates his authority out to his disciples and sends them out. He delegates his authority to them. That is, they're empowered by him to do what he has been doing. And they go from being disciples to apostles, ones who are sent forth. Remember what a disciple is? A learner, a student, one who follows. But now they're apostles. They've been delegated authority to go forth in his name. They were sent with his, his authority with a specific purpose. They had a mission to do. They were to go and preach. They were to go and to heal. They were to go and to, in the peace of the Lord and expand the peace of the Lord. And I believe this strategy is still in operation by the Lord. That we're to model the ministry, to teach the ministry, to delegate the ministry, and send forth others to do the ministry. Whether you're a priest, a deacon, or a layperson, the, the same model applies. But it starts with pray. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest. It's got to start there. This strategy is not just for ministers or priests. It's for the whole body of Christ. We're all to model the ministry. We're all to teach the ministry. We're all to delegate ministry. We're all to send forth folks to do the ministry. One of the problems we have is we kind of like doing it sometimes. And we want to do it ourselves. Or it's easier to do it ourselves. It's hard to train other people. It's hard to delegate. It's hard to equip. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Someone sent me this a while back. Some of you may have heard this. Someone writes, The other day I went to a local Christian bookstore and saw a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. I was feeling particularly sassy that day because I had just come from a thrilling choir performance followed by a thunderous prayer meeting. So I bought the sticker and I put it on my bumper. I was stopped at a red light at a busy intersection, just lost in thought about the Lord and how good He is, and I didn't notice that the light had changed. It is a good thing someone else loves Jesus, because if He hadn't honked, I'd never have noticed. <laughs> I found lots of people love Jesus. While I was sitting there, this guy behind me started honking like crazy, and then he leaned out of his window and screamed, For the love of God, go! Go! What an exuberant cheerleader he was for Jesus. <laughs> Everyone started honking. I just leaned out my window and started waving and smiling at all these loving people. I even honked my horn a few times to share in the love. There must have been a man from Florida back there because I heard him yelling something about a sunny beach. <laughs> I saw another guy <laughs> waving a funny way with only his middle finger stuck in the air and I asked my teenage grandson in the back seat what that meant and he said it was probably an Hawaiian good luck sign or something <laughs> well I'd never met anyone from Hawaii so I leaned out the window and gave him a good luck sign back <laughs> my grandson burst out laughing while he was even enjoying this religious experience a couple of people were so caught up in the joy at that moment that they got out of their cars and started walking toward me. 
I bet they wanted to pray or ask the, what church I attended. But this was when I noticed the light had changed. So I waved to all my sisters and brothers, grinning, and drove off through the intersection. I noticed I was the only car that got through the intersection <laughs> before the light changed again. And I felt kind of sad that I had to leave them all, after all, the love that we had shared. So I slowed the car. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> So I slowed the car down, leaned out the window, and gave them all the Hawaiian good <laughs> one last time. <sighs> I'm sure some of y'all had seen that. Well, as funny and ridiculous as this story is, I think it illustrates how we often come across the non-Christians that we encounter in the marketplace. We say things they don't get. Use words they have no clue what they mean. Or we separate ourselves in a way that insults them or puts them down. Donald Morgan, a pastor in New England who's effective at reaching the unchurched, says this about some of the biggest mistakes Christians make in trying to reach the unchurched. Would the would, would be evangelists alienate people when they put them down or talk down to them or reveal perhaps in body language that they don't respect them. We turn them off when we don't take time to find out where they are coming from and when we act as if we know all the answers. Perhaps most of it all, we missed engaging people when we failed to perceive and appreciate the faith they already have or the hunger for faith that they have. Friends in Christ, we live in a time when the harvest is plentiful. We live in a time when there is hunger for spiritual things all around us. People are searching, experimenting, wanting to experience God. We see a tremendous need in people, though. They are trying all kinds of things. And because of that, there are addictions, loneliness, sexual brokenness, busyness, physical sickness. We could go on and on about the needs that they have and this harvest that is so plentiful. We must move away from the expectation that the priest or the pastor is supposed to do all the ministry. There's a tremendous need for the Christian in the church to be the Christian in the marketplace, in your jobs, at your children's schools or sporting events, at your parties, on the highway, which is one of the hardest places, or on the internet. How many high schools are in our diocesan boundaries? thousands. The harvest is plentiful. How many colleges and universities are all around us? The harvest is plentiful. How many children live in our communities? How many newcomers to America live in our communities? The harvest is plentiful. How many nursing homes are nearby our churches? How many prisons are in your town? The harvest is plentiful. There's a tremendous need for the Christian in the church to be the Christian when you leave church. To do this doesn't mean you have to put on an act. You just be yourself and allow the Holy Spirit of God to work through you. He works through who we are, the way we're made. It's not something we have to conjure up and fake. Just be willing to be a vessel. Be willing to stop and help. Be willing to listen. 
Be willing to speak the word of God into the situation. I know some of you are saying, well, who, me? You've got to be kidding. Well, most of these clergy here have been right where you are. God's grace and mercy will flow through you. But you have to be willing. Jesus has modeled for us how to do it. I think, what would Jesus do be your guide? It really does work. After all, if you've asked him into your life, he's living within you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're being taught out of the word of God. You never arrive, by the way. We never get there. But we're being taught, we're learning. And you've been given authority by virtue of your baptism and reaffirmed at your confirmation that you have been ordained for ministry in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's a matter now of being willing. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Are you willing to be a worker for Him? We sang a song a few minutes ago that uh, I didn't know the words to. But here's verse 2. We'll end with this. See them gather all around you, those he bought at such a cost. See the weary, see the hurting, see the lonely, see the lost. Be his hand, touch the needy. Be his gospel, let it sound. Be his body, and sweet manna will be showered all around. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. If you're listening today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, the Lord is is drawing you to Him. I want to invite you to open yourself to Him, to open your heart, to invite Him to come and, and live in your life. It's really a simple prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I, I've messed up, and I ask your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I want you to come and live in my life. So I invite you. I open myself to you. Come and indwell me in your presence. It's not a difficult prayer, but it has to be a sincere prayer. It has to be something that you intend to do and to follow up on. And perhaps I'm speaking to somebody as well today who is a believer, and you're not where God wants you to be. Are you straight off the path? Are you living in disobedience or in sin right now, and you know it's wrong? Or he's asked you to do something, and, and you refuse to do it? Why not today say, yes, Lord? Why not today do what he wants you to do? Or stop doing what he doesn't want you to do? And get your life right to Him. Life's too short. It goes by so quick. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Lord wants to speak to you, to bless you, to guide you, to strengthen you. And this is my prayer for you this day. And the whole reason we at A Word from the Lord broadcast this radio program is that God might speak into your life, that you might be the person He's called you to be. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. 
awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word From The Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.